0: from uh, the good news and uh, the letter, the second letter to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians, we'll be reading the end of chapter 6 and the opening to chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 16 and then what follows. If you have your Bibles, I do invite you to uh, to open them and uh, dig in with us. If not, the words will be on the screen as we together hear the word of the Lord. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols for we are the temple of the living God as God has said I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people therefore come out from them and be separate says the Lord touch no clean unclean thing and I'll receive you and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in his hearing. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we come before you thankful for your word that reveals to us who you are and who we are in you. Lord, I ask that you would, in this space and time, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, our minds that would come to know and understand your word, our hearts that we would feel its power. And I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands that we would then offer grace to the world. Grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the last couple of days. were quite different than what we experienced a few weeks ago. It seems as though spring has arrived. There's still a little crisp in the air, but yesterday was magnificent. Amen? I hope that you had a chance to go outside at least a little bit. And, and with the coming of, this, of spring also is the coming of, of an experience of hope renewed. I hope that y'all are feeling it. Spring training has begun. Okay, and, and, and it's not just pitchers and catchers reporting. We have spring training games. And although uh, Framber Valdez did injure his finger, we know he will return and we will usher in another chip, okay? We will win the World Series this year, I believe. But baseball, and, and for that matter, softball, are, are really odd games. I mean, think about this. You can get a huge check if you fail seven and a half times out of ten. I want you to think about your business, your world, what you do professionally. If you have a fail rate of 750, are you still in business? Uh, Let's put it this way. If If you own a restaurant. And seven and a half out of ten, we'll just make it seven. Seven out of ten people walk out of your restaurant and said, that place was awful. Do you have a restaurant anymore? No. But here's the deal. in baseball, you can fail all of those times, and you are expected to pick yourself back up emotionally and get back in the box and swing again. I don't know how you do it. I need to hit at least 50%, but that's not even expected. So how does does the player get there mentally? I believe that they have to be searching for more minor or more seldom experienced gratification. Think about the pitcher. The pitcher is searching for that perfect pitch. You know the perfect pitch where all of a sudden the strike zone expands an inch and a half on all sides because if the catcher frames it and and doesn't even have to move, like doesn't move a muscle, and you drop that hook in and the hook goes all the way across the body and just bam right in the catcher's mitt, all of a sudden you have found the perfect pitch. Or or the hitter. The hitter might not even be aiming for the 300 in his approach. He might be thinking to himself, man, if I could just make perfect contact. You know, just, just I, I held my bat through the zone as long as possible. And there in that space, I caught the meat of the bat. And it was 112 miles an hour off the bat. Now, it might have been a line drive out, but I know I just had the perfect swing. It's as though baseball players are conditioned to strive for that perfection, understanding that the failure rate is extraordinary. Can we take that sort of approach to Paul's teaching for us in 2 Corinthians 7.1? I mean, that's really the gist of the matter of what we read it's it's a summary statement of sorts it 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 leads us into a, a framework of of action and activity as christians uh following up how we live in the world in reflection of a desire for perfection but facing the truth and the reality that failure happens all too often it says, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting, perfecting, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So we're, we're initially struck by the fact that it says, therefore, since, therefore, it tells us that this is a, a summary statement, what I have taught has led to this. And, and oftentimes, it could be something that's been, been building for many chapters of text. Right. I want you to think like uh, when you're writing in high school and your teacher says, don't say in conclusion. Paul just said in conclusion. <laughs> right. <laughs> Therefore, since it's, it's directly relating to what has preceding preceded it, since we have these promises from God. So what we know is uh, Paul is. Coming, bringing the point home, and he is telling us that what he has just written was a list of promises from God that then direct our path forward. So we might want to look back and analyze these promises from God. Now, we know, brothers and sisters, that there are countless promises from God across Scripture about God's faithfulness, God's, God's integrity, about God's relationship with us, his pursuit of us, the, the, the saving work. Uh, that we have in Jesus, the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. There are so many promises that we could turn to and trust in, but there are three particular promises in this text for us today. The first is uh, in verse 16. It's, oh, and one second, these three promises. Now, Paul uh, is, is giving his, like, heartfelt paraphrase of some old testament scriptures so these 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 uh promises aren't like direct quotes verbatim parameter where you could go back and check like word for word all the way through the hebrew and it connects this is how paul has received these promises and is ready to experience them in his life are you with me so first in verse 16 God says, I will live with them and will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. I will live with them, I'll walk among them, I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. This is a reference to, uh, uh, to a, a beautiful passage of scripture that follows forward from Ezekiel 37, what we have ordered our year this year on this text of the dry bones where where there there is this movement through this valley of dry bones and and God looks upon these bones and says I will pour my spirit into them and they will come to life they will live Well, the passage doesn't end there. It then continues. Not only am I going to bring them to life, but then I am going to dwell with them. You see, in chapter 37, at the end of the chapter, verse 27, it says, My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. How beautiful it is to to know that that God doesn 't just uh, uh, leave us or abandon us after we are revived, after we are brought to life, but once we receive that new life, we are we are now a dwelling place for God. God lives in us, walks amongst us it 's a clear reflection back to what we hear. Uh, at the opening of verse 16 where God uh, reveals to us that we are a temple our our bodies our lives are a temple for God I can't help but hear this in 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 that Trinitarian uh, view that that this is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us that Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says I'm not going to leave you or abandon you yes I'm going on to my father but I will leave the advocate for you This Holy Spirit, when you come to me, will live in you. We have the indwelling of God through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That is a promise for you and for me. The second promise uh, is is a connection to uh, the prophet Isaiah. It says in verse 17, Come out from them. And be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Come out from them and be separate, and touch no unclean thing, for I will be with you. See, it's in verse eleven of chapter fifty-two of uh, the prophet Isaiah's work, and God is is uh, articulating a vision of the second exodus. So before I read it, let's, let's process through what that means. The second exodus. We really have, uh, over the course of Scripture, three primary views of exodus. We have the first, which is most commonly attested to. It's Moses leading the Israelite people out of Egypt, right, through the, 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 the Red Sea, and then ultimately uh, uh, Joshua across the Jordan and into the Promised Land. So you have this movement from slavery into freedom and promise. That's the first exodus. The second exodus is what we have in Isaiah. It's this movement of the people of God out of exile in Babylon, disconnected from their homeland, disconnected from their community, disconnected from their faith, and now God is reconnecting them as a people. That's the second exodus from Babylon back to Israel. The third exodus is through Jesus where we are are brought forth from our sin and from our death into new life, life eternal with him. And so whenever we have this movement of of the second exodus Paul is pointing to, he wants us to to hear it in connection to Jesus and, and understand that the second exodus leads us into wisdom about Jesus. So I'm going to read what leads up to it and then verse 11 will pop on the screen i want you to hear though how this is framed from god through the prophet isaiah in verse 7 it says how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace who bring good tidings who proclaim salvation who say to zion your god reigns listen your watchmen lift up their voices together they shout for joy when the lord returns to zion They will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth. will see the salvation of our God. Depart. Depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, come out from it and be pure, you who carry the articles of the Lord's house. And then it continues on, but you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. This is a proclamation of salvation for the people of God. It is filled with joy. And and did you hear this this contrast that we're supposed to experience the dissonance of in verse 9? Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. Ruins. Dry bones. Devastation. Despair. Burst into songs of joy because you have salvation. And so when, when Paul references this, he, he's inviting us to understand that, that we have salvation in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And that in that salvation, we are made clean. And then we are stewards of the holiness that we have in Jesus now, I just used a word and all of y'all got confused because I said, steward, you think thinking stewardship, you're thinking money. I need you to divorce yourself from that for a moment. Steward, as in stewardship, as in you have been giving some, given something, holiness from God in Jesus. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to grow content and complacent such that you revert back into sin and despair, devastation, or... Will you receive that holiness and then pursue it all the more so that you can refrain from unclean things? You have salvation, but let us not cheapen the grace we have in Jesus. Let us pursue holiness with our whole hearts. That's the second promise. The second promise that we have that, is then pointed to by Paul in 7.1. The third promise is in verse 18. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I will be a father to you. This is a reference to uh, 2 Samuel. Uh, it's a, a, a reference that is in verse Uh, chapter 7, it follows up on David bringing in the Ark of the Covenant of God into the city of Jerusalem so that the Ark would would rest there amongst the people. I mean, this was a magnificent moment in history to account that, that the Ark was no longer to be scattered or displaced, but it would be at the center so that the north and the south would come together in Jerusalem for worship. And and we're going to dig into that text more because it it shows reverence from David in extraordinary ways and maybe uh, outside of the normal orientation of our minds about what reverence looks like in a a few weeks we're going to dig into that text but here we have Paul referencing Paul referencing God's covenant promise to David that follows the act of bringing the ark in so God uh, comes to David and, and reveals to him his love for him, his care for him, and how steadfast his promise will be to sustain him and the generations that will follow after him. And he does it this way. He says, I will be a father to you. In that covenant to David, there is a promise of God's son, that will come into the world to save the world. But there is also this relationship that is attested to that we receive a father, a heavenly father, all of us, whenever we come into a relationship with Jesus. I mean, think about that. Think about all of the ways in which our fathers strive to exude love and care and provision and then understand all of the ways in which our fathers fall short of that. And here we have a promise from God that he, the perfect, righteous, holy God, will be your father. That promise rested on David, was revealed in God's Son Jesus, and now continues on for you and for me for all generations that we have a Heavenly Father. I love how Paul is pointing in this series of promises. Uh, to the To the magnificent nature of the Triune God, that the Holy Spirit is present with us, that God is about a saving work in jesus, and that god's uh, God's uh, authority and relationship with us is intimate and connected such that we have a heavenly Father here with us on earth, Father, Son, and Spirit one and so these are the promises we have and and, and there's there's a question that, that we have to raise in verse in chapter 7 verse 1 it says therefore since because we have these promises dear friends then there's a response because you have these promises because you have presence because you have a savior because you have a father what do we do what do we do it says let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit now for some of us, we were just lost there. We heard the word purity, and we were like, ooh, I remember that. Do you remember whenever, uh, I remember whenever I was a kid, there were like purity rings, and there were purity tests, and there were like purity communities, and and, and honestly, I thought that that had all kind of gone away uh, until I heard some of my uh, I heard one of my kids telling me about some of his friends taking one of these purity tests. I was like, "Oh, those are still around. Ooh, wow." Uh, and and to be honest, those purity tests are singularly focused on on sexual sexual and intimacy uh, and holiness. But purity is so much more than that. Purity is that, but is more than that. Purity is. It is something that should not be uh, shied away from, but should be, should be pressed into. I mean, because when we think about pure from a different angle, we understand that it's about value. I mean, think about it with me. Uh, what would it be for you to have 100 pounds of contamination? That's worthless. What would it be for you to have 100 pounds of pure gold? Like metals are doing all right right now, right? Like, or a hundred pounds of pure silver. It's about quality. It's about it's about uh, the the way in which other influences have reduced the value of. And, and so here, whenever we well, whenever we grapple with the word purity, we're to receive it as though uh, this is something that we want. We have perfection and purity in jesus the sinless lamb that was without blemish that offered his life for us there can be no greater value but do we cheapen that do we reduce that or do we say because he is pure i also want to seek after and pursue pursue purity That's the framework in which I believe we're supposed to pursue this. And then we have this kind of punch word. Uh, It says, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Contaminates. I'm going to invite Pastor Zach to come up. Pastor Zach, uh, now, he's not going to be surprised like he was in the the 9 o'clock. Uh, but I want to, to out him uh, in the group and, and, and present to everybody just one of Zach's most uh, quirky secrets, okay? So, Zach, what is your favorite food? If you were, were going to just lay it all out there, what's your favorite food?
1: Um, honestly, it's
0: pizza. Okay, so if, if you want to speak Zach's love language, buy him pizza. Yes, please. Okay. Perfect. So he's also, you know, a young servant of the Lord who's hungry. Buy him pizza. But what is the most disgusting food product that you can name?
1: Well, I I think many of you know what this is without a shadow of a doubt. And all of you should know this because it's um, objectively wretched. (laughs) It Should not be consumed. That's mayonnaise.
0: Mayonnaise. So, <laughs> so, so mayonnaise is vile to
1: you. It's. Uh, you don't have to add the to you, Bart. It's just vile.
0: <laughs> so, so, question, Zachary. So, uh, whenever I found out that you had this disdain for mayonnaise, what did I do?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. So act,
0: I'm gonna act it out. It's. It's great.
1: He actually is okay with confessing this to all you guys. I don't understand, but... uh, So, we're eating lunch in staff. Jason grabs a packet of poison, contamination. Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. He tears off a large corner, tips his head back, (laughs) and squirts it all in his mouth, licks his chops... And looks me in the eyes with a evil <laughs> grin on his face. He doesn't even like mayonnaise.
0: No, I'm not even, like, I go to Sonic, I'm like, give me the mustard, right? I don't want the mayonnaise because they're, the, they're the mustard company, right? or they're the mayonnaise company. So I don't even like it, but I just wanted to see what would happen. And, and there was a visceral, it was, it was almost evident for all.
1: Many of you almost never met me because this was a couple years ago, and I almost quit at that point. I mean, I can't <laughs> trust Jason anymore. How can, you, how can you serve
0: alongside of someone that would do such a thing? It's
1: very hard. I've had to with much fear and trembling and prayer before the Lord.
0: <laughs> so, so quick question, though. Uh, if something, like, has it mixed in, you know how you'll, you'll have a recipe, right? And a recipe will just be like, an eighth of a cup of mayonnaise or a tablespoon of mayonnaise and you just put it in and you mix it all together if something has mayonnaise in it is it acceptable
1: uh no not in the slightest bit in any universe is it acceptable
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so a little bit of mayonnaise will contaminate the whole
1: i will not touch anything that has a tablespoon of mayonnaise
0: okay all right uh thank let's thank uh pastor zach for his confession Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, uh, wow. So, two things to learn from that. One, actually three, one of them is actually important. One, buy him pizza. Two, really cause trauma with him with your mayonnaise consumption. Okay? Uh, because it's fun. Why not? Uh, and number three is, is what we have from God's word. It says, purify yourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. For some of, for some of you in, in the room, I want you to think about uh, that, uh, that, that iPhone game or Android game that was out a few years ago. Maybe it's still out. Uh, Where's my water? Uh, it's an alligator in a bathtub at the bottom, and uh, there's water at the top, and then there's these different like contaminants around the way, and you have to get the water to the alligator so that he like is all happy. But if if any single drop of contaminant gets into the bathtub, all of a sudden, like the alligator, like there's all this steam and ooze, and I think he he dies. But it's a kid's game, so you don't see it. So. Think about our lives. I think about my life, and I think about my life as, as all the stuff that I'm pouring in, all the things I'm receiving, the fellowship, the community, the discipline, the prayer, the relationships, all of it, all of it is, is, is flowing into my life. And then there are these other things, there's wrath, and there's vengeance, and, and, there's, and there's hate, and there's hopelessness, and there's despair, and there are all these other things that can be pouring into my life. And so often, they, 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 they are pouring in, and they're contaminating everything else. And so I think about those, those, those knobs that, that I celebrate. I don't even, I don't even see them anymore. The, the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Lord has literally broken the handle. It's, it's, it's not even present anymore. And I celebrate that, but I also acknowledge that there are other handles that, that, that are threatening my life, my purity with contamination day after day after day. And what is it for me to grow comfortable With that bile pouring in? Or should I pursue holiness in such a way that I am constantly striving to have those things turned off? Purify yourself. By not contaminating the body or the spirit. And then we get to the kind of weightiest words of this entire passage, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Because we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates and thus we are perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, brothers and sisters, this is a heady task, and I want you to to hear clearly from me that you and I do not do this on our own. There are a couple of critical resources that God gives all of us that, 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 that that we profess together every time we we. Uh, Hear of uh, every time we gather around the sacrament of baptism, every time we have new members join our community of faith. It is in the profession of faith we say we renounce spiritual forces of wickedness, reject evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin. Those are the contaminants wickedness, evil, sin. But we don't do that on our own. The very next question says, Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you? You don't have to do this by your own strength, but God gives you strength. It's not by your own power, but God gives you power. And so let us access that power so that we aren't reaching up trying to turn that faucet off on our own. But we know God is the one that is doing that and is capable of doing that in you and through you as well. And the second gift we have is that gift that Jesus established for us. Jesus established the church. We say to you, confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church. Christian fellowship, the body of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, are essential in our pursuit of holiness. God did not leave us to do this on our own. We do not walk alone. We walk in Christian fellowship, pursuing holiness together. Knowing that we're going to fail all too often, but knowing we're going to get back in the box and keep swinging, not by our own strength, but with his. And when we do, God is glorified. And then... You and I can celebrate those those victories, those moments of perfection, glimpses of perfection, maybe days or by God's grace, weeks of perfection. But those don't take place without us standing in and pursuing it. Will you join me in this pursuit? perfect holiness made possible in Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are good and your steadfast love endures forever. We pray, O oh God, in this space and time against any, anything that would contaminate our lives. Lord, if there is hopelessness this day declare hope in us if there is uh, anger or vengeance in us Lord breed forgiveness Lord if we have built up idols of self or others we ask that you would tear them down so that we would only worship you Lord, purify us. Purify us so that we would achieve perfect holiness. It seems daunting. But Lord, we will continue to stand in with you. We pray this as the people of God.